Uh, a friend of mine, the late Rich Mullins, had a song called Save Us. Save me from any woman who would be turned on to the aftershave I use, he sang. Save me from trendy religion that makes cheap cliches out of timeless truths, he followed it with. Lord, save me, please save me, save me. Save me from making cheap cliches out of timeless truths. I love those kinds of depth charges and songs that could have you rippling the thoughts and the implications on forever. And as we come to what must be the most famous passage in the New Testament, as Psalm 23 is probably in the Old Testament, how many times have we made cheap cliches out of what is wonderful, timeless truths? Between that 316 card that's up there at every GAA final at Croke Park, to that phrase of... The born again in right wing, no doubt not where Hannah's from, America, we've diluted into cheap cliches this incredibly powerful chapter of timeless truth. Nicodemus, he appears a few times in John's Gospel. In chapter 7, again after Jesus has been in the temple, he comes to Jesus as a representative of the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin. He's rich. He's a religious leader, a very highly regarded religious leader. He has all the credentials. Coming at night, well, if you listen to Hannah's reading, you notice that at the end of this, we're talking a lot about light. And maybe there's something that John's playing with here and what we've already seen in the first few chapters of this gospel is a very, very carefully edited piece of work. But it might also be like the student who came to me one morning at 2.15am. Came in, we started talking about the dilemma of predestination. There's what a chaplain did. Fun. 2.15 in the morning, predestination. Oh, bring it on. (laughs) But she told me, I came now because I don't want some of the guys in the flat to know that I'm going to you about this because they think you're a bit... They were right about that. Is that why Nicodemus came at night? Some of the commentators that mentioned this earlier on in this series suggest that John's talking to some of the people that are just hesitant about commitment. Nicodemus just tentatively going to Jesus thinking, might be something in this, I would like to talk to him a bit more, but don't want the other guys. The peer pressure of religious leaders around you when you are a religious leader I say that the General Assembly of our church has worse peer pressure in my mind than I ever had to deal with as a teenager. Was Nicodemus feeling that? I think there must be something in this guy, but all my peers want to crucify him. Better get across there in the dark. Whatever. Jesus and Nicodemus sit down to talk. And it's a complicated conversation. There's times in these conversations, and we'll come to it again, I might have more time to look at it. If I do chapter four, I'm not sure where Jonathan and I are at in that at the minute. Um, he's been away for a week. So, But the Samaritan woman as well, people ask Jesus questions and he seems to, where did that answer come from? And we have to remember again that this is not all of the conversation. 
How long did it take Hannah to read that? Do you think Nicodemus came to Jesus by night to sit there for the time that Hannah took to read that? There would have been a long conversation had. And this is just the edited part that John feels that he wants to use. But the crux of it is, the crux of this is, and we know it is, that rebirth. You must be born again. Some have said it means born from above. Most say that it actually means both, and we don't have the English translation, as in many places we don't, to express what this is actually meaning. Some have said that it means in the Greek, being born from the beginning, completely radically reborn. Being born again. Being born from above. All of these things are right there in the passage. And it goes back, does it not, to John chapter 1, where when we believe in him, we will be given this new birth, not by a husband's will, or we will be given the right to become children of God. Now, you see, Nicodemus says, how can that be as if he's never heard such a phrase before? But Nicodemus will have heard the phrase before, because if you were not a Jew and you wanted to embrace Judaism, then the religious leaders that Nicodemus was would have called you somebody who was like a newborn child. So what's going on here? Nicodemus was a midwife. He was a religious leader who birthed people. And Jesus is saying to him, the midwife, you must be born again. Again, Jesus is dealing with these old wineskins and the new wineskins. The temple, it's a different temple. It's moving house from the temple that's on the hill to those people who come to Fitzroy on a Sunday morning. I am now the temple and I'm going to pour out like we talked about last week. It's about these new things that are happening. This is the lever in history. So this new birth is all a part of what John is trying to get across. And it is a new birth for humanity. It is a new birth for the people of God. And it's also a new birth for us personally. But you know, this week I celebrate the birth. But I don't really, because I can't remember what happened. Can any of you remember? what that was like coming into the world? Any of you who can remember your birth? Of course you can't. When I remember those 32 years that I've lived this week, I will remember those moments. Maybe the birth of my children. Maybe a wedding day. Maybe that 50th that you celebrated with me just a couple of years ago. Maybe that time when God was leading me to Fitzroy. Maybe that time when God was leading me for the first time to understand himself. And I will not remember the birth. I will remember the life. And one of the things about making cheap cliches out of timeless truths is that we very much get hung up on the birth and become obsessed with the birth that we actually forget about the life. Born from above. Born of God. Born by a grace that transcendently interrupts the way we were living to radically and completely change the way we're living in a repentant way that turns everything we were doing around into a new way. 
and the life that that brings us. What Jesus is talking about here is, Nicodemus, you're living in the horizontal, friend. All your peers are telling you how it is. They're all explaining it to you, and you think you know it, but actually, I need to spell this out to you because you don't seem to know it at all. You need born from above. You need a transcendent look at this fellow. You need to look at what this is all about, and it is going to shake your entire life. Because if you're born from above, and you're born in that vertical relationship with God, and you begin to see it as God sees it, because that's what we're going to set up for you here, then the people in the horizontal are not going to understand a thing of what you're doing. You're going to be like that wind that is just so unpredictable. We're going to hear it sound, but we're not going to know where it's going or where it's going to come from, because at the minute, Nicodemus, when you go back into that Sanhedrin, it's all so certain and predictable. They know how you're going to think. They know what you're going to do, because you're going to do what they do. But from now, you're going to be born from above, and you're going to do no longer what's on the horizontal default Jesus probably wouldn't have had the default thing because computers weren't there at that point so many times I say to the girls what would Jesus do and they always say well Jesus wouldn't have had to decide whether to eat chocolate or fruit daddy it's probably a fair point he wouldn't have had a default but the thing about this is that Jesus is saying this is a completely new way to live and your horizontal friends and default is going to be smashed and this is not going to be easy or comfortable You're going to have to be prepared for what this is going to do. You're going to have to love your enemies. You're going to have to not store up your treasure on earth and you're a rich man, Nicodemus. You're going to have to not find your religiosity or your right before God and all of this stuff that you're trying to do, Nicodemus. You're going to have to just fall into the arms of grace, Nicodemus. You're going to have to turn the other cheek. You're going to have to see that it's the poor that are blessed, that it's the meek that are blessed. The nonsense of the horizontal is going to be smashed into a vertical that is so different that it's being born from God's perspective. Spiritual formation we might call the life in the spirit. That's, those are two words you're going to hear a lot about, I think, in the next few years here in Fitzroy. I think we're doing some interesting things reaching out. The gospel according to the West End being one of them. One of those things that I have to talk to American groups about is, can you do a seminar with us on the Gospel According to series? Because we've heard about that, and that's really, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing some great stuff in Mornington. Some great stuff in the International Meeting Point. We're being engaging on Botanic Avenue. We're trying to do our best to engage with the university, and 700 students were given something just the other week at Nightreach. We're into Botanic Primary School. We're doing some of that stuff well. The service on a Sunday morning, though, this morning is going to be long, and I'm making no embarrassment for it. I'm not going to try and edit this, because if I try to edit it, you'll not get it, and that will not be good. We're doing something fresh and alive, I think, with our Presbyterian liturgy, keeping it artistic and creative, not dulled down by just singing and sermon. But spiritual formation, we need a bit of time in that. We need a bit of thinking about that. We need to get on with that. And that's going to be something we're going to hear more about. Because what does it mean to be born from above? For the horizontal to be smashed in this whole radical different way to live in our own spiritual lives. I spoke to somebody yesterday, not Fitzroy. And they said to me, uh, when I said I was working today, oh. they said, aye, but you see, you know you're going to heaven because of that and the rest of us have to wait and see.
We may smile about that and we may laugh about that in Fitzroy, but can I say there's a lot of people out there who actually think that's the way it is, that we're not sure? Born from above means we are sure. Born from above means God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall inherit eternal life, shall have eternal life, shall live in that eternal perspective and in eternity. In our own spiritual lives, be prepared for radical inside-out change when we're born from above. What does it mean in our homes? What does it mean in the decisions that we make with our money? What does it mean in the decisions that we make with our families? What does it mean in the decisions we make in our vacations? What does it mean tomorrow morning, wherever it is that you work? And I'm walking the dog because it's my weekend. What does it mean right there? What does born from above mean that the horizontal that's the default around you, you're smashing it up with an alternative possibility in the way you think about your vacation, in the way you do your vacation, and in the way you relate to those within that vocation. What does it mean in the Ardoin? What does it mean in a divided community like Northern Ireland? How does being born from above, our spiritual formation, change the way we live and act and serve in that community? That's what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. Well, not the Ardoin, but you know what I'm saying. He's saying, this is it, completely changed, fella. If you're up for this, you must be born again. You get a new opportunity, but the new birth from above is going to make the horizontal completely different because you're going to get a vertical perspective on it. How can this be, Nicodemus says. And at that point, Jesus tells him how it's going to be. And he takes him back again. As we've said through N.T. Wright, how God became king, the vocation of Israel, the story of Israel is not stopped with the birth of Jesus. It goes right through the tunnel of the Gospels and into this new community and generation. So Jesus takes him back to the wilderness. Strange bit of scripture in the wilderness. This bit where God has judged the Israelites with serpents in the camp. And then the only way to really deal with that evil that has come into the camp is for them to gaze upon the bronze serpent that Moses holds up and all they can do and all they need to do is look upon that Jesus draws us back to that in this passage what is he meaning well does he not mean exactly what comes in 3 and 16 the way of this new birth the way for this radical birth from above is in Jesus being the one lifted on high that we gaze upon to realize that the evil of the serpent is dealt with by Jesus on the cross. The way of the cross is the way of new birth. It's nothing fresh and new because Jesus has been thinking about it or God has been thinking about it from Genesis chapter 3 right through many of the things that happen as we come through the Old Testament. Evil lifted up on a cross. Jesus takes the evil and at that moment God becomes king lifted up to die lifted up to glory the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world the temple torn down and built again in three days the serpent lifted up in the desert and so after a song we will gaze on him who was lifted up for us we will partake 
of this bread and this wine. We will be given another chance. Maybe our 1337th chance this week. But right here, we can be born again and again and again. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying every time you fall, you need to get born again because that would be the same kind of thinking that says we're not sure. But how many times as we search our hearts as we've done in this service do we need to come back and gaze upon the one lifted up to find ourselves cleansed again? It reminds us of the birth from above, the way of the cross. This is how we're supposed to live in our lives, in our homes, in our vacations, and on our streets. I think we should have... Sorry, this is a sidetrack for a second. On the Ardoin on both sides, one side, the Catholic Bible says, love your Protestant neighbours. And on the other side, the Protestant Bible says, love your Catholic neighbours, because if we believe in the Catholic-Protestant part of it. But anyway, this table right now, gazing on Jesus lifted up, remembering him, partaking of this bread and this wine is the opportunity for us to reflect again, reflect again that evil has been tanked, that Jesus rules, and that we have an opportunity to live radically different. So as we come today, as we partake, can we see that? Can we ponder that? And can we ask ourselves, what does it mean tomorrow morning to be born from above? To have this welcome. To partake of this spiritual nourishment. And to rise to leave as those who have been changed.